Hello and welcome to another Perusia podcast. I'm Shabal Reis, your host. Super excited about our guest today. Uh, we've, she's no stranger. She's been on our podcast before and on our pilgrimages online throughout COVID. You would have seen her um, leading the rosary and praying and sharing her story online. But now she's on tour with the dynamic Deacon Harold to promote uh, one of many of her range of books. She's the author of this book, co-author with Deacon, Ignite the Bible Study, Read the Bible Like Never Before. Her name is none other than Sonia Corbett, the Bible Evangelista, live in Sydney, Australia. Hello, Sonia. How are you going? <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so good to have you in the flesh here. Um, yep, finally. We, I'm trying to figure out when we first contacted. Was it through COVID or before COVID? I think it was before. Just before, It had right? to be because I think I was supposed to have come yes. that year. And then, yeah, cancelled the craziness. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because we learned about you... Um, I know on the Ascension program, the Fulfilled program, we saw you there. Also, the Ignite uh, study came out with Deacon Harold, and we mm -hmm. were uh, good friends with Deacon, and uh, we learned a lot about you. But then getting to know you and meeting with you and just learning about your stuff, you've been busy, and you, you've done quite a lot, and I can't wait to unpack in this show for people what you've, what you've been up to, what you've been doing, but, but a bit about your upbringing and, and story too. So. All right. Yeah. You ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> Well, first of all, you are in Australia on tour um, to promote the Ignite uh, Bible Study um, program, which um, we're going we're gonna to look at the, the resources. But you and Deacon uh, team up to introduce the Bible to people. Um, and so we we're hoping that this tour uh, will, will bring that to people. And uh, we took advantage of having two speakers that reaching as many people as possible. You're going to be speaking in sort of Sydney, uh, in, in Toowoomba, in Brisbane, in Tasmania. And so you're going to be traveling quite a bit. Deacon's over in New Zealand and uh, Papua New Guinea. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he's Melbourne and then Sydney, of course. So you are sort of got two sort of side-by-side -side tours, but we come together in that second week and I'm very excited about that. And uh, it's going to be a dynamic. But before I even go into all of that, Sonia Corbett, you are a convert to the Catholic faith. <laughs> You were from the South Southern Baptist. Southern Baptist. Yeah. Can we can we start before that? Like a little bit. Were you always practicing your faith growing up? Um. Well, my parents, my mom, my mom did me a great favor in making sure that I always had Bible story books, even mm. as a really little girl. And so, I found myself in trouble a lot, grounded. My dad called it restriction, so I was on restriction all the time. But one of the things that I was allowed to do when I was on restriction was just read. So mm. because I had all of those books, I read those all the time. So I had tons of those. I knew all the Bible stories. And we didn't go to church that often, but we did vacation Bible school, and then I had the storybooks. So I knew the stories. I knew... I knew that I needed to obey God. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of God because I was afraid of my father, but I always knew that I needed, I needed to follow him, whatever that meant, you yes. know, as a, as a child. And, and, you know, we don't know when we're little, but it, and I, I had this period of time too, as an adolescent where I was, I had one foot in and one foot out. I was trying to figure out, you know, do I want to be a good girl or do I not, mm. you know, how bad do I really want to be? And I was afraid to be too bad. So I always had kind of one foot in and one foot out. And then I don't, I think 
when I got married, which I got married very young, my husband and I, we started going to church really, I mean, we always went to church. I went to church actually after even my parents when they divorced, I went by myself. So I still had this sort of, I clung, I clung to a little bit of a faith, mostly okay. out of fear. I, I didn't yes. want to, um, I didn't want God to be mad at me, so I didn't want to get in trouble. But, um, but I still went, and I was the only person in my family that did. So even after I got married, my husband and I, we went together pretty regularly. But I don't know, it was sort of, it was hit or miss until, until my early 20s. Okay. I, I was okay. kind of just all over the map. Yep, yep. So, and then your faith was serious after marriage, and, and it was a few years into the marriage. You, you took your relationship with Christ and uh, went to that next level. Well, what happened was our little church, I had a, a mentor ask me to teach a Bible study with her. Hmm. And I mean, I, I was 20, maybe 21 at the okay. oldest, wow. and I didn't know anything about anything. And she said, let's teach this study. And I was like, all right. So I started studying and I couldn't stop. Yeah, <laughs> it okay. just, it lit a fire in me. And, and what I loved about it was that everything I learned that I found so exciting, other people loved <laughs> when I shared it. And she looked at me about three weeks into that study. We were studying the book of Acts of all things. And she said, Sonia, I think you're supposed to teach this on your own. And it was, it was humbling to me at the time because I, I did not know anything about anything. And I, I recognized that I had no theological background, no knowledge whatsoever, but I was so in love with what I was learning. And it seemed to be reciprocated by the people who were receiving it. So I told her, I said, I think I am too. You know, with, <laughs> with absolutely no reason behind that, except that I just felt like that's what I was supposed to be doing. And now looking back on it, what I know is it was a spiritual gift. I stumbled into it yes. and just took off. And when that, when I found that and I started teaching the scriptures, there were a lot of things that happened after that, but that was the beginning for me of everything. And I just never did look back. It wow. was just totally on fire. Praise God. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm I can't wait to, yeah, just give people a sample of what you teach and how you do it in a moment. But we have to, I think it, part of your story, and it is part of your upbringing and the way you bring it in, out in your, some of your teachings, you talk about um, a father wound. And I do, I do want to, if you don't mind, go back there um, just very briefly, your, your accent for everyone. <laughs> You're from the South. So where were you born? What, what town? All right. So I was born in California in Monterey. And California. my dad was in the service. Okay. Yeah, in the army. Or actually he was in the Navy then, army later. But yeah, I was born in California and then we moved around a lot. But we sort of, we, we, it was a home base really in North Carolina. So in okay. the South. Okay. And we would, li we lived there and then we would move other places, but always come back there. So okay. in the South. And that's where the accent comes right. from. Right. So fantastic. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I can hear it all day. Um, but so you're, uh, you're brought up, um, mom, dad, you have a sister. I do so have a sister. One of two, two mm -hmm. uh, children. You, you mentioned earlier just uh, then about um, your dad. Um, can you 
unpack uh, what was it like growing up what, and, and, and what is his father when you talk about? All right, so dad was, he was military, two branches, and then he was highway patrol, so law enforcement. Yes. Um, and he just, he was an angry parent mm. and he was scary. And he, he also had, um, well, it was just difficult. So I, I was afraid of him. Um, my mom and dad divorced when I was 13, and I just, uh, I, was, I was afraid of him, and therefore I was afraid of God. The Catechism tells us in 2771 that the purification of our hearts has to do with maternal and paternal images. And for me, that is absolutely true. Yeah. So my outlook on God came from the way I related to my dad, which was difficult. Thankfully, my relationship with my mother was very good, so I had at least that balance. But um, but I grew up with a, I was extremely angry myself and very rebellious, although I would not have called it that at the time. Looking back on it now, I know that's what it was, but it was pain, it was woundedness. Mm. And that has been the greatest um, gift, I think, in following God has been learning what it means to have a real heavenly father who, who loves me no matter what Amen. and welcomes me and affirms me and lifts me up. That's beautiful. You can say that about God the Father. What that would have taken a while, though, to, to, to get <laughs> yeah. to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, my whole life, I think. <laughs> would, would you have been angry with God at times? Like, if you're oh, saying the yes. way you looked at your father, yes. and if that's how you looked at God, would... Yes. What was that like? So what's, what's beautiful about the way God led me was, you know, I started out with this teaching thing, and really quickly, he, he gave me what I considered a promise um, about teaching and publishing and it was like a it was a carrot yes. on a stick <laughs> and it it was exactly what he did with Abraham who yes. is in the readings in the last couple of days but yes. um he gave me this promise and it was too good to be true it was just it was everything i could have ever dreamed of besides marriage and family which was truly my my whole heart Except for that, the only thing that could have been better was this promise. And I just believed it. I believed it, you know, as crazy as it seemed. And I set out to make that promise happen because I believed what he said. And at every single turn, I was thwarted. <laughs> it, was the, it was Abraham's story almost to a T. And I would go back to God and I would say, are you sure? Because nothing's happening. And not only is nothing happening, the opposite seems to be true. And it's, it seemed, at the time living it, it seemed like God was dropping this carrot right in front of me until I would reach out to grab it. And as soon as I reached out to grab it, he would snatch it back. And it made me so 
angry. I, I cursed, I cried. I mean, the ugly cry with the snot and everything <laughs> out in the yard. I mean, I, I, I have said the ugliest things to God just out of this hurt. But what I, what I came to understand in that sort of conversation with him that was very one-sided and very angry <laughs> was I, I even asked him, I said, why are you doing this to me? And he said, I'm not doing it to you. I'm doing it for you. And I just, I mean, if, if I could have cursed more than I did, <laughs> I would have. Mm -hmm. But I just, I thought that was the stupidest answer. But it was so true because what I came to realize is that's exactly how my dad used to do us. He would promise something and then watch us work toward it. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we got near it, he would snatch it back as a punishment. Well, you could have had so-and-so, but you didn't do what you should have done. So now you can't. And over and over, oh, I experienced wow. that. So. Mm. That's what it felt like from God. And, it, and when I realized that he was doing that on purpose to provoke that, that same feeling so that I could work with him in that wound, huh. I was like, wow, really? Wow. You would do that? And it, it, yeah, so wow. the short answer is yes, I was always mad at God. Yes, yes. <laughs> always for okay. the longest time. I do want to touch on, I mean, you, in your talks and teachings, you do talk about overcoming anger. Before we get to that, I mean, just to paint a picture, you, you said your, your mum and dad divorced. Mm -hmm. uh, how old were you? At, I was 13. At 13. So, so you went with mum then? Was it, so dad left home? Dad left home. Yeah. He so, left the house. and. Did you have I, much to do with him after that? Like, did, did you cross paths? Well, we did. Then? We did. But he, he didn't, he, he had scheduled weekends and then he just wouldn't show up or he mm -hmm. would make an excuse a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times. And then when he did come to get us, um, he worked. So the yeah. house was empty. So yeah. we didn't, you know, we didn't spend time with him and he wasn't home. So that was really difficult. I'm, I'm actually, I am realizing over the last six months since Lent, my whole Lent has been the excavation of some of that divorce stuff. Cause that was, that was a lot more difficult than I thought at the mm. time. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. See, it's interesting because it, the influential years of our lives, right? You, your earliest memory up until 13, we're talking about, what's that, seven years? Yeah. Seven, eight years. And, and, and a lot of hurt can happen during those times. Yep. Um, so it sounds like he, he had a temper. Um, and you, you can say as much as you want, but to, we'll move on from here. But uh, uh, you know, was, it, was he physical as well was he violent was he um he he wasn't well he you know he was in law enforcement so he yeah. had to be very careful yeah so there were there there was some physical violence but but not extreme okay. it was mostly and you know we we use all these psychological words anymore yeah. and I, I don't really want to do that but no. but he 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 had real psychological issues mm -hmm. and and, and pass them on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So very difficult. And moving around wouldn't have been easy. So you, you lived in how many, do you even know how many in that in that I think about years? eight. Eight about different eight places. Different, so but that's but I loved it because okay. I was always in trouble. I was uh -huh. always, whatever school I was in, I had behavior issues and I was 
you know, I was just a difficult kid. Mm -hmm. And so to move to a new place, it was like, oh. <laughs> yippee, I get to start over and I get to be good. Wow. I get to try to be good, you know. Okay. So. Interesting. Um, so when you came back, you settled then, um, you, you got married. Where did you settle? So where were you now? So you got married, um, bringing us back to marriage. Where, what, what town did you move to? So we got married in the town that I, I basically grew up in, okay. in North Carolina. And then about a year after that, things got pretty difficult with my dad again to the point where I was oh. just finished. So we moved. We moved to back to where my husband was from in Tennessee. Yeah. So um, that's where we've been for the last 30 years. Wow, wow, okay. Um, so you are there, Nashville, Tennessee. Yep. Home of country music. In the South. Yes, <laughs> so fun. Uh, well, it's amazing because you use this experience and it brings out in your teachings something that is very, for many people, relatable and, and you're touching on areas that not many people talk about. And it is, how do we, and you do it through scripture, which is quite beautiful and unique. Um, the, so this father wound you talk about, how do you describe that for someone? Like some people who, what does that mean? What does a father wound mean? What do you mean by that? What is a father wound? That's a great question. Um, for me, it was just rage. Mm. I at didn't, him. at, Directed at or it, 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 at every male. Okay. Every male in authority over me. So, employers, mm -hmm. my dad, even my husband. Actually, that that's where the excavation of that wound really began was with my husband because I knew he loved me, mm -hmm. but I couldn't understand why then is he doing this to me? Why is he hurting me? Why is he critical? Why is he you know mm -hmm. why is he why is he like my dad in in these ways? But because I knew he loved me, I was willing to, to uh, look beyond my own hurt and my own anger in, you know, situations, conflicts, you know, whatever, disagreements, whatever we had, um, to try to understand. And because, because I started so early in, in, Bible study and learning from the scriptures, I developed a habit of being in touch with God in the scriptures every single day. That was the yeah. only thing we had. I mean, as a Baptist, you don't have sacraments. So <laughs> you, you don't have a way to be in touch with God unless you're in the scriptures. So that was a habit that I had established very early. And that was the thing that kept me married and yeah. sane. Because, yeah. because I recognized quickly, God would say to me, I, I would just go, I'd be mad, you know, about my husband or something he had said or whatever. And I, and I would just throw up on God, you know, and he would say, Sonia, this is not about him. This is about you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> wow. You know, why are you so angry? And then, and then, you know, just just that, that sort of question, that question from God, why are you so angry? And, and he used like Jonah, which he yeah. says to Jonah, why are you so angry? <laughs> and I, I read that and I thought, well, because, you know, and I'm just <laughs> all this, saying all this stuff. But it was the scriptures that God used to help heal me of that wound. And for me, what that was was just angry. I, I just, I was angry. 
I was angry at anyone who, especially people, especially men in authority over me whom I loved or respected, if they were critical in any way, mm -hmm. I just, it hurt me so deeply because wow. I was trying so hard and it felt like, it, it just felt like no amount of effort that I ever put forward was ever going to be enough. And that's a wound, right? Yeah, that's not the yeah. truth. And it's no. not what my husband was trying to communicate. It's not what my employers were trying to communicate. It was the wound in me. Yes. So that father wound for me looks, it looked like rage. Wow. And that, that did go, that lasted for years. Um, Almost I, I two decades. You've shared, you shared, you got so angry at times, you got physical. Sure did. Um, like literally yep. your, to your husband. Yep. To, um, wow. Yeah, so it, luckily that was so shocking even to me that it only happened one time, but that was a blackout rage. That was one of those, that was the only time that ever happened. And, and I was so surprised by my reaction and the fact that I couldn't really remember most of what happened and that that's actually part of why I just went to God and I said, I, whatever you have to do to mm -hmm. me <laughs> to help me fix this, mm -hmm. I'm good with that. Yeah. So I was willing to really hear the hard things, the things, you know, about my character and the, the defects and the faults and the pain and the hurt and the truth of all of that, you know, that was hard, but, but I was willing because I still have holes in my walls. We in our farmhouse, yeah. 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 So we haven't quite fixed those yet. Oh, oh, so. Literal holes. <laughs> Literal holes. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Not proud of it, but no. yeah. Well, it, it's real. It's important, I guess, because you've written. You know, we've got seven books, we've got programs, and you've helped so many people. But it's important that they're able to connect with you because you've really had to struggle through this and overcome it. Do you feel now, like looking back, this healing? You talk about healing. And so 20 years to, to, to get through this, what, how do you heal? Like, what does healing look like, feel like? Um, is, it, is it the moment of forgiveness? Um, is that part of the story? That is an All excellent that. question. So what does healing look like? So yes, forgiveness is definitely a big piece of it. Mm. But for me, what it looked like was I could be in a situation that would normally have made me um, like I, I would get this, this feeling in my stomach, you know, just, it would start to churn and then I could feel it sort of coming up like an eruption, uh -huh. you know, I could get into a situation that would normally cause that reaction and I just didn't have it. That was healing for me. Mm. I could get into a situation where even like with my dad, you know, he could say things that normally would have hurt me deeply or would have, you know, made me upset or mad or whatever and and just they just didn't and things that my husband would say that you know previously would have upset me or or sent me in a, a week-long tailspin of you know emotion just didn't yeah. and when I started to see those little changes that's when I knew oh my gosh praise God <laughs> things are getting better you know yes. that was part of it and forgiveness is definitely a big piece of that because 
I, I can remember God actually saying to me, um, in fact, he asked me to call my father and ask my father to forgive me. Wow. Switched it around on me. And you How, talk about being angry. Wow. Oh, man, I was very <laughs> upset about that. When was that? I, that, that was probably about 10 years in. Well, not even that long, maybe five years in, five, six years in. Wow. Um, I was very upset about that because... How, how, <laughs> it's a really long story, but just how could you ask me to be the one to ask for forgiveness when I only did like one thing ever, <laughs> one thing. And you're gonna, and, and again, it, it felt like God was, was picking on the one little thing out of all of the stuff in my life. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna point to this one thing. And that was the whole that was my life with my father. Mm. It didn't matter how good it was. It was the one thing, you know. So when God put his finger on that one thing, again, I'm so hurt. I'm like, mm. what? Why, why would you do this? But he does that in order to kind of lay open the pain under that and, and yeah. make it... Um, help you have a real conversation about why that's so hurtful and what are the roots of that. He wants to heal that. So it feels like a personal attack that comes through another person or maybe even from God himself, but it's not. It is his way of revealing the anger first, but then the pain that's under that, yes. because that woundedness is where he's working. And all of our circumstances and our relationships are ordered. If I can be so, so bold as to say, <laughs> purposely ordered for that reason, to pull up that emotion mm -hmm. and to pull up that, all of that stuff. And if you're walking with him every single day, he will help you see that that's what he's yes. doing. Yes. But if you're not, it's very, it, it can be very blindsiding and very confusing. But healing to me felt like I'm not angry in this situation that I would have been five years ago. I'm not even reacting. <laughs> I really could care less. I know this is not about me. This is about them. You know, it's just... There's a freedom, right? It you, is you, total you freedom, freedom, yes. Now. Beautiful. What was, did, so did you make the phone call? I did make the phone call and it was, what was that like? excruciating. It, it, it was miserable. <laughs> it was just one of those things where what did you I say? only <laughs> did it because, and here's what I said. I called dad and I said, I said, dad, I called to ask you to forgive me for flipping you the bird. <laughs> And he, he did exactly what I knew he would do. I can't believe that one of my daughters would ever do something like that. He just, you know, and he started and, and I was already upset that God had asked me to do this, yeah. you know, and when dad started that way, it, it made me even more upset. So I was crying, you know, yeah. and I'm, I was so sick of crying mm. with him, but something when I realized it was gonna go exactly like I thought it would, it would go, 
And yet I was, it was almost like I'm doing it anyway. It was like letting my freak flag fly. You know, I'm like, I'm just going to do it anyway. So I, I told him I, I was sorry. And, and he kind of went on his rant. And I just, I told him, I said, Dad, I only called because Jesus asked me to. So please forgive me. And I hung up. You didn't wait to hear that. I words. didn't hear, I didn't wait to hear anything. But it, it was like there was an invisible line that connected me to him that was very tight. And when I made that call and I hung up, it was like, it was like God just cut it. And from that point forward, I never cared what he thought from that. I, honestly, yeah. because I knew we didn't share the same values. He's not following the God I'm following. He's not hearing the voice I'm hearing. He's not listening to the word the way I am. He's not that that makes him a bad person, but no. we're just not on, we're not listening to the same voice. Yeah. We don't have the same rules and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have to, I don't have to try to please him. I only have to try to please God, my father. And that yeah. was it. It was freedom. Mm -hmm. I, I was yeah. totally free. Yeah. Wow. Um, there's so much we can go. But just, uh, it, it's so important, the connection about God is a father. Our, our Lord God, primarily, I mean, it's Trinitarian, but Father, God the Father. And, and it, myself as a father, I, what a privilege it is. I remember mixing with the Muslim friends and they would say, you cannot insult God by calling him Father because we're putting on God mm -hmm. human attributes. That was part of my upbringing of, oh yeah, I can't do that. But no, it's the opposite end. It's such an honor that I get to share in that, in that responsibility mm. to be a father in, in, in so much as I am sharing in the fatherhood of God to my children. And I try to remember that. Um, but for those out there, you know, we're in a time where it's not uncommon families being broken. It's not uncommon that uh, children are growing up without fathers. Children are growing up um, with, with broken marriages, um, sometimes two, three, four, five relationships, um, remarriages and divorces, it's, it's more common than it's ever been in human yeah. history. It can be hard for people to turn to God as father when, when so many people probably have a father wound of some sort. What advice do you give to those people? Um, you know, all of us, <laughs> not every, our earthly dads are not perfect. Um, far from it, but, but if they're struggling to see God, the Father, as a loving Father, what, where do you begin? And, and, and scripture is obviously one part, but what, what advice do you give? So I would say begin where Jesus began. Hmm. And in the Gospel of John, in the first chapter, it says that Jesus was in the bosom of the Father. Hmm. And when I read that, the you know, the first time I, I really connected with that, I, I thought, that's kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I had no desire whatsoever to be in God's bosom. <laughs> but there was something about it that was also very compelling because what I knew is Jesus knows something about God that I clearly don't know. And if he found it safe and warm hmm. in that in the lap of God then clearly he knows something I don't know that I need to know 
And so I just, I even said to God directly, I think that's weird, <laughs> but it's clear I don't know something that I, I need to know. So mm. I'm, I'm willing to, to learn. And so here's what I know now. God, our Father, can and will and does satisfy every single longing for fatherhood that every one of us has. Mm -hmm. He, in, every, in, in the sweetest, most tender ways, I, I was learning, you know, that God wants to give us, um, he wants to give us stuff. He wants to give us gifts. He loves us. And I was like, well, okay, if that's true, Lord, you know, I, I, we homeschooled our kids. I said, I really want my kids to have piano lessons, music lessons, but we don't have a piano. So can I have a piano? <laughs> and within two weeks, my aunt called and she was moving away from Nashville. And she said, I do you want my piano? I'm going to move back to South Carolina. I'll have it shipped to your, to your house. And I thought, really? You know, I mean, just really small little things that are not important to anyone else that were very important to me that I actually went to him with and he answered me yes. and he will, he does. He answers us so long as we will just be transparent and honest. And I yes. think that's where we get into trouble. We want yes. God to be God, yes. but we don't want to be honest about who we are and, and our thoughts and our emotions and our yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. So that's where I would start. Jesus is in the bosom of the Father. And if that's true, then of course we should be there too. And if that is at all uncomfortable, then there's some exploration we need to do there. Why is that uncomfortable? Yes, yes. Examples of that. I mean, I know you hear it often. People would say, uh, look, I, I don't want to go to church. I, I'm not worthy to go to church. God wouldn't love someone like me. This is very common you hear Definitely. out there. And, and it can be a block for people to even turn to God at all for anything. Um, so th this is the importance. Where, where, would, where would they begin? <laughs> I, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm not, God's not going to love me. I've done so much in my life. Um, God won't forgive me. Okay, so here's the answer. We have to just settle once and for all that Jesus died on the cross mm. for us to connect us back to God. If he did not love us, he would not have done that. Yeah. We have to settle once and for all the fact that we are loved. Yes. We don't feel it, right? Mm. We don't feel it, but believe it. We have to believe it. Okay, I don't feel it, but I believe I'm loved because God says so. He says so, and he can't lie. He can't lie. He doesn't lie. He can't lie, the Bible says. So if I don't feel it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not true. It just means there's something I don't know yet. Yes. So Jesus died. He died on the cross, that passion, the, the blood, the, the, all of it, all of it was proof of his love. So we are loved. Yes. If we weren't, he would not have sent his son. So that is the first question. That's, that's what we're all wondering. Does anybody love me? Am I lovable? 
what about all this stuff I've yes. done? It doesn't matter. Jesus died for you. Wow. Period. That's it there. That's the ultimate it ultimate is. act of love. You don't get better than that. You don't you can't it's it's giving up your life for others and Yep. And love is always about another person, right? It's always about giving up sacrifice and so both Christ himself loved us and God the Father obviously sent his son. So it's just a package to deal. reconnect with us. Yeah. Yes. Well, and how does the Holy Spirit fit in this? Can you just touch on that? So we've got a Trinity, uh, this relationship. You do Holy a lot Spirit. on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the outpouring of that love on a moment-by-moment moment basis. Mm. That constant dance, the, the, the dance of what does God want from me right now? And how do I do that? that's the Holy Spirit to me. Wow. Just this, the constant conversation and the, the listening for his direction and his, his voice and opportunities, yes. all of that, that. The catechism tells us that the Holy Spirit is the person gift yes. of love. And so God the Father sent the, the Son to reconnect with us so that he could give us that love so that we could experience it and feel it, yes. you know, so we could believe it. So to me, that's the Holy Spirit yeah. that that not just the the head knowledge, but the real knowing the experience of the love of God. Wow. That's the Holy Spirit. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow. Um, I, I want to before I, I, I want to dive into uh, I feel like we need a whole series, here, but, <laughs> but we got to get it. I, there is a fascinating story about your conversion from um, being a Baptist or Catholic, but um, I just can't help think it's ringing in my head. <laughs> you touched on being in the bosom of God. If that makes you uncomfortable, um, we have to deal with stuff inside of us. We have to actually admit fault. And I, it's just ringing in my head now. What was Jesus' first public words when you read the scriptures? When he goes out as a 30-year-old, he's out there. And it's an interesting thing. What does Jesus start with? Repent. <laughs> Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's like an unusual way of opening. <laughs> if I'm going to try to convince people to follow me, my first line wouldn't be that. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> True. But, but Jesus comes out with that. And that is the first step of any transformation, of any, any healing. It's admitting there is something to admitting fault and if we don't at least get past that first hurdle we could be stuck there forever you know well so, we will be um so that can be hard for people this is elements of pride elements of uh, fear hurt, uh, hurt mm -hmm. all this shame um you name it this list goes on uh but it doesn't end there so so the beautiful thing is then you go fast forward to the cross and he forgives yes. and then he shows us how to forgive. So it's almost like you've got to repent, but you also got to forgive. <laughs> and it's, it's two ways. It's both ends of it's like the two sides of the same coin. And through your teaching and through scripture, how you only really see this through Christ himself who models it um, perfectly. To read the scriptures, how do we approach the scriptures? How did that influence you through your, as a Baptist first? Let's, let's, let's go through that because your relationship with God 
was growing deeper and deeper and deeper. And you even were at a point where you're going to start your own Bible study. Uh, sorry, you uh, you were going to you wrote a book or you you're ready to do something as a Protestant, mm -hmm. but then the brakes were pulled on. Can you just tell us about that? Because you felt loved. You you, you um, went through healing. How how long were you practicing as a Baptist? Can we just get a bit of time frame here? Um, let's see. So I came into full communion with the church in 2006. Okay. So it's been about 17 years and the whole, the whole time leading up to that point was a very long excavation of that wound, that father wound, but also learning what forgiveness really is. I, yeah. I think that's where we get into trouble. Mm. I thought forgiveness meant I'm saying it's okay. Yeah. And that's just unacceptable. No. There ain't no way that's gonna be okay, none of it. Yeah. None of it was okay. Yeah. To this day, it's not okay. Yes. Um, but it was studying what Jesus says, in a, particularly in Matthew 18, about forgiveness. He doesn't talk about it. It's not an emotion. Mm. It's not saying it's okay. It's not pretending that you're, you're not angry mm -hmm. or that it wasn't an injustice. It's not, it's not uh, making making light of it in any way, shape, or form. What Jesus tells us in Matthew 18 is that it's simply the forgiveness of a debt. What does that person owe me? My mm. dad owed me unconditional love. He yeah. owed me the dignity of simply being who I am and letting me be who I am. Right. He owed me protection. He owed me security. He owed me his presence. He owed me a lot of things. And in the end, he owed me a daggum apology. Yeah, yeah. And when God asked me to call him and ask him to forgive me, I'm like, what? Are you kidding? <laughs> but if you look at it as simply the forgiveness of a debt, if that's all it is, if that really is all it is, if it doesn't necessarily mean there's a, a reconciliation because there wasn't a way to reckon there's sometimes not a way to reconcile with someone who doesn't have your values mm, yeah. i mean if if we're the whole idea of the church is that we are under a head christ with a set of rules that we all abide by yeah. but if if they're not of your religion or or if they're of no religion at all there's not going to be a way we can have some sort of relationship not a, an intimate close one right so if forgiveness is just the forgiveness of the debt, then I can say, okay, dad, you don't owe me anything anymore. You don't owe me an apology. You don't owe me anything. And I can, I can just let that go. And if that's all it is, I can do that. I can do that because it's not a matter of emotion. Mm. So, so if it had not been for, for my daily walk with God through the scriptures, which you know, Catholics are not that good at it. But we have, we have more of a reason to be in the scriptures on a daily basis than any Protestant yeah. because we have the readings every day. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, it's the word of the Holy Spirit to the church, yes. to each of us every day. If I hadn't had that, I would not have been able to navigate the, the daily circumstances and relationships and and difficulties that I was having in my life that were meant 
to draw forth these sorts of reactions so that God could heal them, yes. so that I could come to that point of forgiveness. But ultimately, we have to just know what forgiveness isn't. Because if we think that it is, we're going to have a happy relationship, kumbaya, it mm -hmm. sometimes is just not going to work out that way. And it's not that way with my dad today, and that's okay. I don't expect that from him. He doesn't owe me that. That's fine. I have my heavenly father. Yes. You know, I have learned that. But it's only through the scriptures that God has has healed me so far. And and even even so, I want to be very careful to point out that I only got so far without the sacraments. When I started to investigate as a Baptist the the church the church. <laughs> it, it was a, a perfect storm, but I started to read the the catechism and the teachings of the church and I just thought, I don't I don't know if I can even tolerate this. Why did you read the catechism? I read the catechism because I had somebody in my Bible study who was Catholic. And she kept bringing up <laughs> Yeah, she kept bringing up she was yeah. in my Bible study as a Baptist and she came into the Catholic church and then she kept coming to my Bible study and she would give us the Catholic point of view and I was mad at her all the time. You know, and I would go home and I would investigate what she would say and I thought, well, that's not what it means. <laughs> but it could mean that. You know, it could mean that. It's not what it means, but it could, I suppose. So there was that sort of back and forth thing, but but if it hadn't been for the scriptures, I couldn't have gotten as far as I got. And I couldn't, I don't think, I, I know I would never have recognized the Catholic Church as the authority yeah, if yeah. I hadn't had all of this authority structure problem, you know, all of the, the problems with mercy, every authority, <laughs> every authority. So... Thankfully, once I got to that point where I was investigating the church, I, I could see that the Reformation was a rebellion and yeah. that basically, I mean, I was as bad as Martin Luther. I was, I was his little sister. I did exactly, <laughs> Martin Luther had a father wound. Yeah. Martin Luther yeah. had a father wound. That's exactly why he did what he did. So. When I started to see that, and I was, I, I was investigating the, the teachings of the church, when I finally did come into the church and I received the sacraments, oh my goodness, I mean, mm. I don't think you can make it. Wow. I, don't, I don't think there is the fullest possible healing here on this side of heaven without the sacraments. I just don't. Amen. All right. Well, I want to I I get to that day. Just, so just to, to, to give a summary here. You are a committed Baptist, going to, ma going to church service every Sunday. You are a leader in the church there. You are teaching Bible study. Uh, so from the age of 20, 21 till, uh, I'm doing my maths here, about 13 years? 30, yeah, 30-ish. So, yeah. um, so here you are on, with, with a relationship with Christ. You're praying, you're, you're entering in this relationship, but, but this, this, this Catholic person is in your Bible study. Um, and were you ever anti-Catholic? Um, I was very anti-Catholic. Yeah. So what was your view of Catholics in so that 13 years? Everybody, in, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but the, the prevailing view in the South is that Catholics are not Christians. Mm. So mm. it's a cult. Yeah. The Pope is the Antichrist. Okay. So I, I wasn't militant 
in that way, but I definitely grew up under that influence and, and that was my view. Does that influence the way you interact with Catholics? Like, so if you see someone in the street, we're supposed to love everyone, ooh, but there's a Catholic, um, maybe not treat them as good. Well, I would have treated you? them very, very kindly in order to evangelize them, them to yeah. the true church. Have you, have you met Jesus? Yes, yeah. let's say, are you saved? Yeah. And in fact, I was very good at that. I, I Because I was a leader in the, the denomination, we had a, a, um, a Christmas toy store ministry mm. that we were involved with every year and that was open to the whole community and mm -hmm. they saved the Catholics for me. I was the only female, first of all, and I was the youngest of all of the, the pastors. It was mostly pastors that had this role because yeah. it was an evangelistic kind of thing, sharing your faith. And so people would come through this toy store and and it was an outreach for the community where underprivileged people were able to have gifts to give their children and their family members. And then we would invite them to counseling at mm -hmm. the end, you know, perfectly fine if they declined, but you know, <laughs> after you've received all these free gifts, of course you're gonna say yes. And they would save the Catholics for me because I was, I was good at it. Wow. I, it was a mission. Wow. You talk about Pauline, Oh my goodness, it was a mission. How many of those Catholics can I pick off? Wow. And I was good at it. And that was actually part of, that was a very, it, oh, I, I spent almost an entire night on my face in tears on my porch with God bawling about how many Catholics I pulled away from the church. Wow. And it, that was part of why I wanted to do that study fulfilled is because I, I know what will draw non-Catholics yes. to the church, yes. Southern, yes. particularly through the scriptures. Um, and it just, I just, I just begged him, can I, can I just have the opportunity? Can I have two for every one that I, I picked off? Just give me two for every one I picked off. Right. <laughs> so we'll uh -huh. see. Okay, um. To paint a picture, um, would, would what what would be an example of what you would say to a Catholic? And then let's we'll all right. Flip it. So would I would say, do you know Jesus as your personal savior? What would a typical answer be? The typical answer would just be a blank stare. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Interesting. Sometimes I would hear, "I pray every mm -hmm. day," and what I know now because I work with a, a lot of Catholics who who are, they feel stuck mm -hmm. in their relationship mm -hmm. with God. And what I know now and what I saw then is that a lot of times we Catholics, we, we do pray. Yeah. We say lots of prayers and we, we go to mass and we do all these disciplines. And, and Protestants are, it's not any different with Protestants, you know, but we get in this habit of doing certain things thinking that that is what God wants. But yeah. what God really wants is us. He yes. wants our truest thoughts, our truest emotions. He, he wants us, not the prayers that we're praying at him. Yeah. So when I would ask that question, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? What does uh, that even mean? Well, you know, so, so I would say in on that, that relationship. Yep. And, and salvation. So we called it the Roman road and I talk about it in uh, Fulfilled. There was a, a pattern uh, about 
five or six verses throughout the book of Romans um, that that we led people to Christ, right? Where you pray this prayer and you ask Jesus into your heart. And if you have asked Jesus into your heart, then you are saved. And if you're saved, and that's one time and done. Yes, okay. So yeah, very out of balance, but. Bring us to, uh, I haven't got much time, 10 minutes here, but I wanna bring you the day. So when the first realization of maybe the Catholic Church maybe isn't as bad as I thought. What what was the first, I guess, step or idea or concept? That, it was that, the Eucharist. The Eucharist, why? It was the Eucharist. So I just, I, I, I was so upset at this young girl in my class every week because she would present these Catholic views of things mm. and I would go back and I would investigate, you know, mm. and I, I would, my intellectual honesty would not allow me to say that absolutely cannot be true because I could see from the scriptures that it could be, if you interpreted it that way, it could be true if that's the way you interpreted mm, it. Mm. We didn't interpret it that way. So You're it could be John true. Six right. Well, that was one of the one? things, yeah. but there were lots of things like that. Particularly, I think one of the things she spoke about was baptism, because as a as a Baptist, you know, you would think that we would actually believe that that was salvific, that there was something actually happening when you get yes. baptized, but it was symbolic. Hmm. And she she kept asking, why would Jesus tell you to do something that is just symbolic? And uh-huh. I, I mean, I left and I, I went, I don't know. He just did, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I would, things like question. that. Yeah, it just would, yeah. it would aggravate me. But the Eucharist was one of those things. She didn't bring that up specifically, but as I started to investigate other issues, I ran up against that pretty quickly. Yeah. And when I saw what the Catholic Church teaches about John 6, I just read that and I thought that just can't be true. So I got my Bible down and I got to digging in the, the Greek language and I'm looking mm. at all the words and, I'm, and I thought, if you take that whole chapter, John 6, everything Jesus says, mm. the stuff he does, you look at the language, you look at the typology from the Old mm. Testament, the present spread, the manna, yeah. all of that stuff, you put all of that together, you cannot say that Jesus was not talking about the Eucharist in the way that the Catholic Church teaches it. Wow. It has to say that. It has to mean that. It has to. There's no other explanation. And in fact, as soon as I got that information, I had never even heard the word Eucharist. I didn't even know. I had no idea what that was. As soon as I got the teaching of the church on John 6, I knew immediately, immediately, I accepted that with total assent. There was no doubt in my mind at all. Wow. And as soon as I did, I thought, if we had this wrong, and this is so basic, it is so salvific. Mm. If this is, if we had this wrong, what else did we have wrong? You know, so okay. it really yeah. shook the foundation of everything I had ever known. Wow. It, it, that was really the beginning of this huge earthquake of just, wow. Do you know how long that, so that time period? Very, very, uh, one year. One year from, yep. wow, wow. I read everything I could get my hands on. The whole catechism, 
all the uh, apologetic stuff, the anti-Nicene fathers. Wow. You just every. It. I mean, I just, I, wow. I just wanted to know if it was true. Did that uh, mess with your relationship with Christ? Like, you know, that year that would have been very, term, you know, you're, you're talking to Christ, you're having this relationship, and now, hang on, what I thought about you is now not exactly <laughs> what I well, thought. Well, yes, you know? but in a good way. It yeah. wasn't, it, it was scary. It was mm. scary because I recognized that he was leading me in into a, an area that was just so unknown. Yeah. So that was scary. But I had also been, I had prayed with everything in me. Lord, there has to be a way that we can be closer. Yeah. There has to be. And I meant physically, not in a weird way, you know, but just, I mean, I, I, I was, I meant literally. Yeah. And I, I didn't think that could ever be. <laughs> I never in a million years thought that that could be answered yeah. wow. until he, he showed me the teachings in the, on the Eucharist. And I thought, oh my gosh, there is a way. And so it, it was earth, it, it was like an earthquake. I mean, my whole life was so screwed up at that point because just everything, my marriage, my church, my denomination, everything was just so up in the air, but I had that. And I knew that was my answer and I was willing to do anything to get that. It was an answer. It was the answer. Wow. And when I received the Eucharist for the first time, tell us. It was a super marital moment. It was unbelievable. And, and it still remains that way. It, yeah. it never. What year was that? 06, did you say? 2006. 06. First Holy Communion. Was it Easter Vigil? Was it an Easter? It was vigil? Easter Vigil. Wow. Yeah. My favorite Mass of the year. Yes, a, mine too. Yeah, the, Old the whole Testament. four hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Isn't that beautiful? It, it, if we Catholics understood, what a treasure we have in the Eucharist. It's Christ himself, body, blood, soul, divinity. Yep. The word becomes flesh and that flesh becomes our food and that food sustains us so we can live forever. It's just... And it draws oh. us all into one, yes. one body. Physically. Yep. Not just spiritually. Yep. Isn't that amazing? I know. <laughs> wow, I love it. Now, now this flowed, so, so we in these last few minutes, uh, we need like three other shows, but... Um, uh, what happened then? So you become Catholic. You would have been super excited. Now you got the sacraments. I mean, confession was that? Really oh my weird gosh, for the I loved time? confession. Yeah, okay. I actually, I went to confession as a um, a way to just get grace because yes. I couldn't receive the Eucharist yet, and my priest allowed me to do that. So mm. I would just I was going all the time. I mean, more than once a week wow. just to wow. be able to get the grace. Yeah. So yeah, I was able to do that. Um, so I came into the church, my pastor, this whole story is in um, my last book, Just Rest, but my pastor okay. made me the religious education director at our parish, which was a huge stink in the church. <laughs> and a couple of, about a year in to that position, I realized that what I was good at and what God had called me to do would be helpful and was needed in the Catholic church. Yes. So I realized, okay, so that was the plan all along. I wasn't leaving it behind. This is just a new exploration of my my gift, my right. gifts. So pretty quickly, that's, right. that's when I started offering 
I, I think I started with a podcast. I was thinking about this the other day just because of our conversation. Yes. How did I even get started? It, it became, I, I just started a podcast because I was trying, I wanted to teach yes. the stuff that I was learning about how the Holy Spirit he heals our woundedness, yes. you know, and yes. I started that way. And then that was the beginning. Can people go and listen to those podcasts? Oh yeah, all of that is on my website. Okay. Yep. What's the website? BibleStudyEvangelista.com BibleStudyEvangelista.com yep. Beautiful. Now we're out of time, but I wanted to unpack all this, but very quickly, let's just, I'm just going to get through this. We are in the process. Let's go. Your first book, um, is this the first book? Yep, Unleashed? that was the first one. So Unleashed, I'm going to pull this up to the camera, Unleashed. Very quickly, what's this one about? So this is a lot about how to work through anger okay. and woundedness. Wow, very good, Unleashed. Um, this one, Fearless. Fearless is... It's about spiritual warfare, but but it's really about loving God to the point of no fear. No, oh, beautiful, beautiful. You did this. This is a study that goes sort of mm -hmm. fulfilled. This is uh, um, published by Ascension. We're excited to be launching an Australian version very soon. But pub, uh, fulfilled. What's this about? So that is the Old Testament tabernacle as the structure of the Catholic Church. Okay. For okay. Uh, proper worship and. Interesting. Uh, liturgy. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. You're doing great. <laughs> and then this one, Ignite. Ignite with Deacon Harold is a primer on how to begin studying the Bible. So um, the big word for that is hermeneutic, but it's just how to study the Bible. Yes. So we go through the the genres and great. all the stuff. Yeah, the who, what, where, when, yeah. why, and how of Brilliant. the Bible. Well, yeah, that's exciting. And that's what this tour. I'm going to get you back on with Deacon to talk, unpack this even more. This is very exciting, but uh, we've got CDs, USBs, videos of that. So that's great. Um, last two, uh, this one. Oh gosh, Exalted. Exalted. So that's about Mary and my relationship with her, wow. which was very difficult wow. as a Baptist coming into the Catholic yes. Church. So that's the whole story about it. I asked her point blank, what do you, Mary, want me to know, what want me, Sonia, to know about you? And what she told me <laughs> is in there. The Magnificat, hey? Mary's song, verse by verse. Yep. I love it. And then the last one, Just Rest. Just Rest is a template for how to follow God. So we basically unpack the story of the Exodus. Wow, okay. Uh, any, any plans for another book or this is anything I, in, the, I do. in the pipeline? My next one is probably, uh, I tentatively have named it Dolorosa, but it's, oh. it's, um, it's about the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary as a path to healing. Wow, that's exciting. You have been busy, as I was saying. Uh, there's evidence of that right there. We're excited. Um, you are on tour right now. We're going to get these resources out to everyone. You're going parish to parish. I ask those people to pray for you and, and the work you're doing. And, um, and that's all available at perusiamedia.com right now. And, of course, the Bible Evangelista, BibleStudyEvangelista.com. All yep. that, the links are there on your website. All of it, yep. Fantastic. Um, wow, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. It's a, I, I feel like we're just scratching the surface yeah, here, but, I know, but super excited. Um, and we, we're only getting started. We, you've just landed in Australia and we're going to be on tour. So I've asked for the viewers and listeners to pray for this tour, but also all of the work you're doing um, to keep having Amen. an impact. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I hope you got a lot out of that as much as I did. Super exciting. Um, please uh, visit uh, the website, uh, BibleStudyEvangelista.com and get onto our website, perusiamedia.com. If you're watching this in time, Sonia and Deacon are touring across. By the time you're watching this, it's, it's going to be 
across Sydney, uh, some of the Queenslanders, you'll be seeing this as well, Toowoomba, Brisbane, Tasmania, Melbourne. Um, please check out the website and, and get to all that. Um, but please uh, pray for her work. She's doing amazing work. And until next time, thank you again for joining us. God bless you.